The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Welcome to the Kwame Last Sports Talk Radio Show. Uh, Kwame is out today. Uh, you're listening to Alex Clancy, and I have Deborah Debris. And Cindy Liska in studio. How are we doing? Doing great. Everybody happy today? Ready to crank it up. We got a lot yeah. to talk about Woo. today. Yeah, yeah, Cindy's being a little sassy already this morning. Yeah, we do have a lot to cover today. We're going to cover U.S. Open, NBA Finals, Roger Clemens, the luckiest man alive. Uh, maybe a little R.A. Dickey, the, the Mets phenom pitcher. And unfortunately, we got to talk a little bit about uh, Jerry Sandusky as well. Can you say phenom and knuckleballer in the same sentence? Well, now you can, which is, uh, we'll touch that. I think we're going to touch that. Can you spell it? That's the thing. That's why he said phenom. (laughs) Oh, enough. Enough. See, I'm getting getting bombarded already. Kwame is out. He's the keynote speaker at the Phoenix Children's Hospital today on account of uh, Sickle Cell Day. World Cell World Sickle Cell Day. And uh, we wanted to bring awareness to sickle cell. I mean, it's such an important... um, disease to be aware of where you know you've got your red blood cells that are not round anymore they're a very jagged edge and because of that that they can't carry the oxygen to your body like uh, all the other cells and it can cause a great deal of pain for those who have it so go check it out go read up on it the idea is to create awareness and uh, one of Kwame's foundations the Kwame Lasseter Foundation uh, as well as the uh, second annual celebrity bowling tournament uh, some of the proceeds go to uh, Kwame's foundation, which helps those with sickle cell. Yeah, uh, for those of you that don't know Kwame that well, he is very, very in tune with many myriad charities. You know, he's mm. every day doing something else for for other people. You know, trying to better the world, raise money for uh, sickle cell and for childhood obesity. And I mean, he's just cancer. Yeah, yeah. he's he's, he's, he's all found, yeah. he's all over the map, traveling all the time. Uh, good guy. All right, well, let's turn to a bad guy, uh, Roger Clemens. Acquitted That's a segue. Of, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, acquitted of all six charges uh, in his perjury obstruction of justice trial. Um, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, not many people are. He's he's been in the upper echelon of, of the Major League Baseball world since 1990, if not a couple years before. Uh, has many many records. You know, blah blah blah. World Series. I guess that's enough to get you acquitted of lying face-to-face to Congress. When you're talking like a four-and-a-half-year-old just learning how to speak, when asked very straightforward questions, I don't really know when the legal system will change. Uh, nowadays, if you're rich enough to, to spend money on, on uh, law, I mean, on uh, lawyer teams that can just... You know, they know the ins and outs. They know lawyers. They they have a long history with a lot of different uh, judges. You know, they're 
Well, uh, it's taken four years to get to the point to get a verdict. Mm-hmm. You know, and the verdict is on perjury. It doesn't really say whether he's guilty or not guilty when it comes to using. But right. the verdict, if he comes back with a guilty verdict of perjury, that's a guilty verdict of using yeah. because mm-hmm. of saying that he didn't use. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. You know, I mean, and everybody I think now is just sick, especially me. I'm sick of Roger Clemens. I would like him to go away. Unfortunately, I would see him in the next couple of years become part of a, an organization, become a pitching coach. Uh, Barry Bonds is coming back to become a hitting coach for the Giants. Uh, I think the only thing he can teach kids is how to inject themselves. I'm not sure if uh, he can actually instill any knowledge uh, on actual hitting itself. Uh, you know, Mark McGuire back. I mean, it's like, it, why does our society just forgive so quickly? They're cheaters. They're cheaters. They did not perform under their own strength. They performed with the help of performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, I'm sure they're talented athletes. They made it to the majors. But steroids all the way through, because there's so many different tiers, single A, double A, triple A, you know, there's so many farm systems that people need a competitive advantage, uh, need an advantage somewhere to get to the majors, and a lot of people turn to steroids. Well, we go back to the money issue, too, is that, uh, you know, some of the stats out there as far as when they moved, each one of them moved from the team that they were on to the next team and started supposedly, in quotes, using, um, that the money they made because of using, because of enhancing their performance was so much greater than what they had been making that it tends to make it okay. Yeah, you know, I, I don't... Well, it, there's that quote out now. Everybody says baseball better, baseball's better on steroids. Mm-hmm. It is exciting to watch. Devil's advocate, I have absolutely yeah, I know you don't. no, I know you don't. I, but it is more exciting when they're hitting long balls. It's more exciting when they're hit, when, but it doesn't take away to, uh, steroids give you power. They don't give you the ability to put the bat on the ball and there's still a technique involved. Sure. To make the ball travel in the first place. It gives you the power in the moment the question becomes, and I know it's not necessarily a question for the fans that are watching the game in the moment, but what's the long-term effect? And the long-term effect mm-hmm. is they've got some major health issues coming up that they haven't even started to see yet. Sure, and that's that's a thing that, you know, they're, they're probably two or three steps behind the concussion thing with the NFL. Right. You know, so they don't know. Barry Bonds just, he can't walk. I mean, he... You're, the one thing about steroids that people take, this is the excuse, it helps me get better faster so I can play again. Which, after the, in the long run, that's going to that's gonna kill you. That's going to hurt you really right. bad. It's a short-term right. remedy. It's yeah. a Band-Aid, yep. Absolutely. And then another thing that, you know, it, it's changing the game for the worse because now people either hit home runs or they strike out. You know, you don't have, you don't have the, the, Derek Jeter, the Derek Jeter way of hitting is starting to become more and more obsolete. People hit. Uh, people strike out. You know, 200, 200 times a year, and it's just like a- as if as if nothing happened. You know, people look as you said. People love hitting home runs. People love watching home runs being hit, and the steroid era kind of kind of pushed that a little bit forward. You know. So is Roger Clemens taking steroids, kind of evening the field then? Because you know, you talk about the hitters taking steroids and hitting the long ball, but if you've got a pitcher taking steroids, does that make him does does that even, even out the, the field? Pitcher, does it hitter, counteract that? Not, not when you're one of the top five <laughs> pitchers of all time. Right. Well, so, where does it go back to the common pride of, you know, I'm extremely good at my sport because of how I've sacrificed and worked my body and my mind in order to be able to play at my ultimate best against somebody else who's done the same thing. Now you, you take the steroids. How do you even compare one to the other? Because yeah. it's an unfair advantage. Yeah. Well, and you've got his son coming up now through. Um, I saw him when I was in Las Vegas at the 51s game. He was mm-hmm. in AAA. Roger was actually there, and it was amazing how few people cared. 
right. at that point. Because mm. normally everyone would have been all over him. But then you go back to, okay, Kobe's coming up through the system. He's a stocky kid. Do you start questioning him now because it's his dad? Is it a guilt by association thing? Or do you hope that he's learned his lesson from what he's gone through? Well, and, and what is I he? Mean, you to, never know, and well, he's got to prove himself more than anyone else. Well, and as a father to a son, what does his son now have to put up with because of the accusations and what went on with his father that a son shouldn't have to put up with? You know, the questions about something like that, you know, is your kid on steroids or asking the kid as he grows up? You know, that's not looking at him and his talent. That's questioning him because of his father's actions. Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be the safest out of anybody because he can't be that dumb. To be you would using. hope. Well, I mean. I would, I would give him intelligence. Yeah, no, I. I mean, and then you can go the other way where he's not. Nobody's expecting me to. So, but I mean, drug testing. Drug testing is is in the works of getting better and better. I don't know how much they they test the single, double, and triple A players, but they've got to test them. You know, I mean, it's it's. uh, I mean, it's a necessity, especially at this point. So let's let's move to now, 2013 MLB Hall of Fame Fame. ballot. You have Clemens, Bonds, and Sosa. You first, might as well asterisk the whole the whole ballot, yeah, and uh, throw them in a side side wing. Yeah, I mean, well, I've heard it on other shows too, where they've talked about you know just create another wing for these players so right. you can put them in their own little and make it bigger because you know it's got to fit all of them in there. Because Clemens and Bonds were so dominant, I think that they're going to get in. Uh, I, do I believe it? No. I, I mean, do I do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Uh, if you if you do the asterisk thing, fine, but that's that's down the road. I don't think they're going to do that uh, until well, until steroids are actually you know honed in on until they have a foolproof plan from keeping people from using steroids in baseball, which may never happen. So contingent upon that is deter it will be when when the asterisk wing, so to speak, comes in. Well, and they're taking the spot of somebody else who played the game fairly and isn't getting in because of these guys. Yeah, I mean, well, and isn't there more to it though than just hitting? I mean, they also had to field. They had other things that they had to accomplish, too. And steroids aren't going to help you really out in the field, I don't think. I mean, it's not going to get you to a ball faster. It's going to. It's not going to get you to make a play. But you're cheating. It you're still matter. cheating. You're right. Matter. You're it cheating. It doesn't matter what. Yeah, where do you draw the line on cheating? Affecting. Yeah. I mean, Sammy Sosa, I think, is going to take the longest because he was a home run hitter for about five or six years, hitting 60, hitting 55. You know, him and McGuire had that, had that run together. That was amazing. Yeah, which was all fake. So, I mean, it, it was amazing, but it was fake. <laughs> but you know what? Look what it did for the game. Well, it made the game worse. Well, it made the game when dirty. It, At the yeah. time, it made the game really fun, though. Yeah, because everybody, everybody are just sheep. They have no idea what's going on behind the scenes of, of all the cheating that's going on. I mean, it makes me sick. And that was at the early stages of it, too, where it was still questioned and mm-hmm. not obvious. Yeah. And, you know, so Sosa, I think, is going to take a little bit longer uh, to get in. I, I don't think he will uh, because of the asterisk thing. He had a good run. He wasn't a great fielder. He struck out a lot, even he when he was... Plus, he played at Wrigley Field, which... I mean, is a competitive advantage, or is an advantage for hitting, you know, in like a dollhouse instead of hitting... And at, the wind at, blowing out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that that's another thing to take into consideration. Having said that, I think that if anybody that, that has used steroids gets into the Hall of Fame, that Pete Rose should be in right away. I don't think that you need to wait until he dies to get him in. And I think at, that, at this point, when, when he passes, which, I mean, is probably going to be 20 years from now, that would be the time where they'd be like, well, you know, let's honor one of the best baseball players ever and, and, and sneak him in. If you, if you have to use an asterisk, fine, but he wasn't betting, 
he wasn't trying to get an advantage. He wasn't shaving points by betting on the sport. Granted, it's it that's the maybe the biggest no no of, of any sport anywhere. You cannot bet. Players can't even do fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball now right. in, in the majors. I, I mean, at least for money, you can't do it. Now, Pete Rose. This was before his time. Nobody did this before. Nobody got caught for it before. Yeah, got caught. So he's so he's the so he's the he's the, the scapegoat for everything. I hope that he gets in. I do because he, he again he's one of the be best in. baseball players Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. Right. And well, that's the talent of it. And yeah. pure and talent. what he did had no effect. What Bonds did, what Clemens did, mm. affected their on-field performance. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're going to get in, but what Pete Rose did had no effect on his on-field performance. They can't. I just, I mean, I, I hope, I mean, I truly do hope that he got in. I've actually met him in person. He came uh, into a restaurant a couple times where I used to work, and he's a really personable guy. There were people walking up asking for autographs. He's looked at as this social pariah and this guy that, that ruined baseball. It's like, you know, give it, a, give it a rest already. I've interacted with him several times as well, and he's one of the nicest people, down-to-earth, conversational, awesome guy. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to move right into, I'm going to talk about two or three minutes on this, on the Sandusky trial. Uh, I, I, you know, I threw up right before we started talking about this, because I still have not gotten used to what they're talking about, how many times it's happened, and just overall how sick this man is, allegedly. Uh, got to use that word. Yeah, you know, I, I was reading something, and this is from uh, USA Today. Uh, the defense of Jerry Sandusky opened Monday with two former Penn State assistant football coaches telling jurors that it was not uncommon for coaches to shower with young children following workouts and other physical activities. Stop it. Uh, where's, where is the delusion? Where does the delusion stop? I, I just don't... I don't it's uncommon uh, equal, right? No. It's... No. I mean, it's... And it's not like there's any way... That you can spin this positively. Well, and what, so point that's, you, what, what point do you cross the line between being a leader of a team and someone who's teaching young children how to lead themselves in life and someone who's taking showers with kids? Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it just makes no sense. Like you said, it makes no sense at any level. And the, be- the There the, always needs to be a separation between I'm the coach, you're the, you know, you're the student, student athlete, um, and they've broken that, that code and that law in every direction. Well, And what's this whole histrionic personality disorder? Is that saying now now they're taking away the whole, no, I didn't do it, to now there's well, a reason why I did it? No, because the, the part of that, they can bring it up, but psychologists and psychiatrists are saying that they can still, someone, even if he had the disorder, can still tell the difference between right or wrong and what's legal and what's not legal. So having it or not having it doesn't matter when it comes to the legalities. He still knew that he was wrong, allegedly. But when it comes to the legalities of things nowadays, we're learning with Clemens, with OJ, with Casey Anthony, every trial these people are being acquitted, all you have to do is plant that itty-bitty, teeny little seed of doubt in the jury, and they're getting off. Uh, the only problem Absolutely. with that, though, is the doubt, again, they could, they could full out say he has it. It still doesn't change the fact that he still would have known right from wrong and done it anyway. Yeah. As a professional, gonna, though, you can say that. As a lay person, I'm going to go, mm, did it really, do I really want to... We're going to come back and talk uh, about that a little bit more on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. To uh, welcome back to Palmer Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris of YourClearEdge.com, and Miss Cindy Lisker in the studio. Kwame is out at uh, the Children's Hospital in Phoenix today uh, giving a speech, so good for him. Uh, he might call in. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But um, we were talking about Jerry Sandusky on the other side of the break. Uh, I mean, what else can you say at this point? So you've had, you've had uh, you know, brought to the stand just kid after, well, adult now, after right. kid after kid after kid, and come up and give their own... Uh, their own rendition mm-hmm. of what happened in their current situ- in their situation, and and he has fifty related charges against him. Yeah, that that I were. Mean, what does that tell you? This is not a fluke. Yeah, no. but what happened? I mean, he started his foundation in the early seventies, and the charges only came out in the early nineties. So yeah. we were talking. I think the reason why charges hadn't come out before that hadn't come out before that because especially now the kids there were kids in the seventies are now you know, 40s. So why would you want to tarnish whatever you've created a life for yourself by coming out and saying there's, they have nothing to gain? Well, so, and there's a combination between the shame that they carry about it, which most people do, even though it's not earned. You know, there's nothing shameful on their part. They were little kids mm-hmm. with an adult. Um, and yet there's a shame that they carry with them to so to open themselves up to talk about it openly can be can be reliving it all over again and very very difficult to go through especially if they hadn't de- if they haven't dealt with it up to this point exactly. couldn't that be cathartic too in some ways absolutely it can if they get the right help and especially if they have a, a you know a group type atmosphere that now they know that they weren't the only one that tends to help a little bit too it kind of lessens the guilt um, but the ability to open up, open up about it with someone that can guide them through the process and help reframe their thinking and their feelings about themselves so that they realize that they really aren't to blame mm-hmm. um, and that they can you know rebuild themselves strong and i think it, go ahead oh i was going to say because whether they talk about it or not it happened Right, exactly. Um, so you either get it out and start the healing process, especially when it's all around you now, mm. or you carry it with you and you continue to self-destruct right. because now that there's an awareness, it's going right. to do more damage. Yeah. yeah, they'll never be without it. It's just a matter of desensitizing themselves to what happened at the time, uh, and then be able to live in the you know in the current 
without yeah. revisiting the past so and often. I, I think one big thing that gets overlooked sometimes is that because it's in uh, Happy Valley and University Park, because it's such a tight-knit culture, it's very varsity bluesy. It's very, the coaches are always, they will do no wrong. They're, you know, they're ambassadors of the, of the small city that Penn State is in. And especially in this situation, it wasn't found out earlier because maybe even in the 70s, they didn't want to mess up whatever good things were going on right. with well, Penn State and the, and the tight-knit culture that If I don't that talk Penn about State it or around. slip it under the rug, then it probably didn't happen. And at Penn State, their athletic department is self-sustaining. So basically, mm-hmm. that football team sustains all of it's Penn State's unit. athletics mm-hmm. because of the money that they bring in. There's no uh, student fees for athletic use. Yeah. I mean, so no, if I, that goes down, that they lose a lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're the Green Bay Packers of college football. Right. So uh, we're going to skip Clancy's Corner today because we have a lot of things to do. Just remember to check out Rock Bar on Fifth and Craftsman in Old Town. <laughs> Ooh-ah. I got, I got two smiles. I got two drinkers. In, Liking in, 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 in it. Liking the, uh, it. 20%? 20% off. Go to a bartender. Say Clancy's Corner. You'll get 20% off your bill. Alex and Brian, the owners over there, great guys. Uh, they're really bringing that bar back from it, it, when they bought it. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on over there. Now they're they're making it happen. They're getting a lot more people in there. So uh, check it out. I like entrepreneurs anyway that take something and make it better than it ever was before. And so good for that'll them. segue right into we're going to jump to Down and Dirty with Deborah in the second segment this week. Go. So we're going to talk about how to accelerate your performance um, by learning how to focus fast during critical situations. Last week we talked about brain rule number one today, obviously, is brain rule Number two, your brain is a problem-solving machine. To know that can help you if you use it correctly. So you would think that that would be good news, right, that your brain's a problem-solving re- machine? So think about it. All you have to do is ask it a question, and it gives you an answer, and that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Well, that's not exactly how it works. <clears throat> the brain could care less about what answer it gives you. It simply is going to give you an answer, and it's going to give you the best answer it can based on the question that you ask. So just like everything else that I talk about, tag your it. Once again, you're the boss of you. When you know the rules and you can play by the rules of your mind, your emotions, then you're able to be able to perform better under critical situations and more consistently. So asking a question is both the problem and the solution to getting your head back in the game. All too often we ask questions purely as a reactionary basis to a situation that just occurred. And typically we do it without even knowing it. It's just a habit that we have, and the questions that we have are typically are habitual questions that we say repeatedly. What that does when we do it with that reactionary type of um, uh, aspect is that we start to confuse our brain and cause it to become frustrated, upset, afraid, and what happens next is then we follow that up with doing something really stupid, none of which is going to help your performance. So imagine this, not too hard to imagine after uh, just watching the U.S. Open. You're on a golf course, last nine holes of a critical uh, tournament, lots of money and prestige are on the line, not to mention your respect. You're in the top three on the leaderboard, and you just hit your drive deep into the rough. What are you going to do? Slam your bag and slam your club into the bag. Pick up your first after picking it up after wherever it was that you just threw it. You know you're going to mumble some four-letter word, four-letter words under your breath. You're going to shake your head and scream in the hollows of your mind. What the hell just happened? You know what? Can I ever finish? You know you stupid fill in the blank. How are you ever going to get out of this mess? Now, those are reactionary questions that puts the brain into a mode of looking for answers. 
And what happens next is when your brain goes into overdrive trying to solve the questions you just asked it, it searches for answers in your stored memory banks. It recalls the last time you screwed up, and it recreates the fear, the tension, the worry, the confusion of the past, and you spend the next several holes trying to get your composure, your focus, and your game back on track, all because you didn't know how to ask the right questions. So how do you get the answers you deserve so that you can focus fast during critical situations? The secret is brain number two, which is your brain is a problem-solving machine. Ask it a question that goes directly to the end result that you want to achieve. Ask it questions that describe exactly what it is that you want to achieve, like, how will I adjust that shot the next time to get it right? With a question like that, your brain starts to search to find answers so it can make the adjustments so you can make that next shot, not four, three, two holes later, but that next shot even better. You end up getting the right answers to the question. Or you can ask a question like, what can I do right now to make this next shot the best ever? Again, you're going to get answers like breathe, put your last shot behind you, focus on what you can control. You apply some of the clear edge techniques to make that happen so that you can rip it when you get to your ball. All of that can be done from walking from where you last hit to where your ball is landed. And I've got golfers, in fact, South Mountain Community College that just run they won their national championship. This is one of the things I taught the players on that um on the men's team is that you look at it and you say you know, as they're walking to their ball, you know, how am I going to show everybody and myself that I'm the best freaking golfer out here? You know, what's it going to take and how am I going to specifically and exactly make this next shot the best one ever? So clear thinking comes, you know, when you can focus and problem solve, you calm yourself down in a critical situation, and you could do it very quickly when you have pre-planned and well-formed questions. When you ask specific well-formed questions, you get answers that can get you back into the zone and get you back on course fast. So the bottom line is engage your mind with questions that bring you back to the present, which is the only place you've got power, so that you can focus your mind and desensitize the emotional upheaval upheaval, and then you get to win. Deborah Debris or ClearEdge.com. That was down and dirty. That was down and dirty. It was down and dirty. It's the realistic way to make it happen. Great timing for that. It was perfect timing. Uh, You know, uh, with golf especially, especially, I mean, I can just use an example of the U.S. Open. I mean, poor Jim Furyk. (laughs) You know, he's one of the most mentally tough guys on the tour. He's he's a grinder. You know, he's the the consummate golfer. Mm -hmm. If If you look in the dictionary... Jimbo's in there. Yeah. So with after after hitting that shot into the woods and at the worst possible time, I think it was on 16, uh, 16. He, he he did not ask himself the right questions. Right. You know, and you think that when you make it to that uh, to that pinnacle of your career, the the toughest golf is tough. It you is may tough. make it easy, but yeah. it is tough. Obviously it's tough. But you would think that you would be able to overcome whatever you need to overcome, especially at that time after winning a U.S. Open. But obviously, you didn't ask the right questions. Well, and the problem with any any athlete, whether it's a golfer, my football players, you know, my even my um, uh, corporate people that I work with, is that we're still the bottom line to everything is we're still human. So when we get triggered by any kind of an emotional event or a memory of the past or a smell or a sound or anything else that can trigger a past memory, all of a sudden in nanoseconds, it floods our body with chemicals. It it takes over our muscles so our body becomes weaker. We don't have the reflexes that we have. You talk about a golfer where um, the tension that they have in their hand and their flexibility of their body is so important. 
and their mind starts to kick in with all, like say, the wrong questions, all those swing thoughts, and instead of being instinctual as to what they know they can do, they drop into very mechanical and a ten-step swing where they start missing. So in essence, the, the right questions get you back to the equilibrium you need to be able to be the machine that you are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah, interesting. Absolutely, that's interesting. I mean, and it, and the thing that's important here is that they are pre-planned, pre-formed questions, because one of the things when I do my intake with my players, whether it's my golfers, football players, or any other sport, is I always look at what's their languaging pattern and what are some of the areas their stressors, as I call them, and everybody has stressors, um, and they're different. You know, they're different by position, they're different by person. And when we can name those stressors, get the elephant in the room up on the table, basically, then we can plan for those events that are going to happen so that they already have their playbook in hand as to what are you going to do mentally and emotionally when that occurs. It's great stuff. Thank you. You're good at what you do. I am You're good really at what good I do. You're really good at what you do. <laughs> Trust me, I, I enjoy know. what I do. I know <laughs> she's good at what she does. <laughs> and you know that I don't like saying nice things if I don't have to. I know. So that's, I know, that's, dude. So yeah, that comes so out as a high compliment. Do not take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Um, we got to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back, talk about the U.S. Open, and then power through. We still have three or four more things to talk about. Cindy, we'll talk about baseball in the last segment. Don't worry. Uh, thanks for listening. Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk. We'll be back in a minute. flagship station for sports voice america sports tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype it's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports welcome back to Kwame Lasseter sports talk I, I messed monk up because uh Oh. I know it's not because he didn't think we were doing. We didn't. We didn't we tell him the plan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll hopefully he'll bring it out for the fourth segment. Uh, we're talking about the U.S. Open. Webb Simpson 
wins his first major championship in very, very emotional and crazy and nasty fashion. I mean, well, he, what was interesting is he, he got to sit in the clubhouse and watch himself win. Yeah, when you can <laughs> post a score. It's huge, especially in U.S. Opens, because birdies and pars even are, are at a premium. So we, when you can post, I mean, he shot, he went 68-68 on the weekend. Which if you can shoot four under in two consecutive rounds that aren't the first, that aren't the first two, the second and third, or the third and the fourth, you're really gonna you're gonna position yourself for a win. Well, and that's the thing he said he never looked at the leaderboard the last day. He yeah, they always consist- say that, but they always do. No, not necessarily, because some good, a lot of good golfers and some of the guys I've worked with, they don't look at the leaderboard, because the reality is they're playing against the course. So if you can stay in the moment to moment to moment and not worry about what anybody else does, but play the course hole by hole, moment to moment, then your opportunity to win is that much greater, because you can have greater consistency. Absolutely. I mean, there, there were a lot of low scores on Sunday, which, uh, you know, I think because the fogs are rolling in. Lower. So it's, Pardon? Lower. Uh, yeah, well, comparatively speaking, it's low. When you shoot in the 60s any time in the U.S. Open, especially with a course like that, especially with hole 1 through 6 shooting at a plus 1109, Cindy, collectively. Yeah, plus 1109. Stop it. I mean, that's... And, and it, the holes weren't even... It's not that they were extremely difficult. They were long, fair. But the thing about with the fairways, you did not have one spot on one fairway on one hole in that on that course where you're going to be even level with the ball. It's either going to be above you or below you. And because of the the natural draw to the lake nearby, it it's made it made everything just extremely difficult. It made the easy holes difficult. It made the short par 3s difficult. I mean granted the US Open pin placements probably had something to do with that. Um, let's touch on Tiger for a second, Cindy. Don't. So let's touch on Tiger for a second. Uh, he blew up, um, unfortunately for him, uh, in the final round. He went four over through the first four holes, and but that he's, was... He's still searching for a swing. He well, still yeah. hasn't found the swing. It, well, the funny thing about this is the easier the course plays, the tougher it is for him to, to score highly, which is interesting, because normally he's been known as when, in the beginning, when he was winning majors, when he wasn't hitting fairways... Um, He's the best scrambler in the game, so it kind of was the great equalizer. But whenever courses were easy, whenever people put up good scores, it was difficult for him to win. He won the he won the times when it wasn't supposed to win. When he would when he would just post numbers that nobody else could post yeah, because he was that and, much better yeah. than everybody else. On Saturday and Sunday, closer. yeah, right. On Saturday and Sunday, he was leading. He had tied for the lead going into Saturday. Yeah. And I'm gonna go on hold for one second. Kenya. Hi. What's up, girl? Hey. <laughs> Kenya, hey, Kenya. Kenya Simone from Hi, Chicago. Hi, Chicago, my it's, hometown. It's been a while. How you yes. been? I'm good. I'm actually in not-so-sunny Miami. Um, we've been here. I, can't, I went to the game on Sunday night, and I'm here tonight. I don't think I'm going to go to the game tonight because uh, the tickets are kind of pricey. Oh, you think so? so? I just wanted to call and check in. <laughs> it's yeah. good to hear your voice, yeah, it's girl. it's good to talk to you. So we're just talking yeah, about what do, you think, what do you think about Tiger in the U.S. Open? Um, I think that, first of all, I wasn't really surprised um, at how he finished up or, what was he, like, tied for 21st place or something by the end? Yes. I think, yeah, yeah. 21st. I, I just think that he, he's got a lot to overcome to get back to the swing of things, no pun intended, like, <laughs> just mentally. Well, yeah, well I, I think, think it's like... Th- 
I think you got to respect, too. Um, I was watching him, the interview they did with him after, and they were trying to spin it all negative, and he was like, no, you know what, I got. it was a really great learning experience, and I got a lot mm -hmm. of good things out of it, and that's, I totally respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he has to adjust not only mentally. I mean, I think there's a lot mentally and emotionally, but there's also the changing of his body. As he's getting older and his body, is his physiology is changing, he's just got a lot going on mm -hmm. uh, in his life and in and around his body that he hasn't adjusted to it, just like he didn't adjust to the course. And yeah. I think it'll give him a, a, a slice of humble pie or a lesson in humility because he's been so great for so long that... You know, it just kind of comes natural to him, and now he's really got to work for it. So that's never a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's everybody's like, is Tiger back? Is Tiger back? He's never going to be back. He's never mm -hmm. going to be what he was, especially with the knee surgeries and then the mental breakdown, which, you know, was his fault. But uh, it, people are starting to open their arms up again to him, It's at least in the sports world. So if he can just calm down and just learn. He's changing his swing. He finally has learned to keep the driver in the bag, hit stinging three woods, hit his irons that he can split the fairway with all the time, and if he can learn how to play as an older man, older Cindy, 36 is not old, okay? Thank you. She's, she's we're, getting we're on my ass. I can't. I, I'm talking to three women right now. I can't bring up age. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like I'm on the I feel like I'm on the view. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, if he can, if he can curtail his curtail his driving use, driver use, maybe to become obsolete, he can he can still win. He has the talent. He just needs to learn how to use his new talent. He needs to learn how to play real golf and not just whack the ball and 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 hopefully can scramble and oh. and and put up a low score. Plus, the dynamics are different too, and the younger players aren't afraid of him. They, they, you know, they right. weren't around when he was at his very best, so they're coming Absolutely. up with no fear, uh, and they're playing full out. And you know, that's a whole different dynamic on the course as well. And you've got that 17-year-old kid, Spieth, that tied him. Yeah, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, what a thrill for that kid, but what a an eye opener for Tiger to be like, okay, I just tied a 17-year-old amateur. Yeah. Right. I mean. The kid is that was that was another great great thing. I wish that him and Tiger would pay, would have been paired on the final day. That would have been the best. I mean that the rating. Oh man! But I mean I I don't think you want to do it to a 17 year old to put him with Tiger, especially in one of the toughest golf courses in recent history that they're playing on. Um, we got to move to the finals. Uh, Kenya, good timing. Uh, two one Miami. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this, and a lot of times I, I like to. Pick somebody to win, and I can't. Uh, I kind of want LeBron to win one, and that's that's the common thing. Everybody's like, "Oh, LeBron's playing better in the finals, so now I'm on Team LeBron." Uh, a couple months ago, I kind of just said, "Screw it," and I and I, I'm on Team LeBron now. I, uh, I'm not. Well, it's aren't you, you know what? Because Derrick Rose isn't in the finals, that's why you're mad. How can you? How can you? Don't don't think I forget. Don't think I forget. So, but I mean, I've never been a LeBron. I just don't like the arrogance and the cockiness. I mean, I'm with I, I, I love the youth of OKC's team, Kevin Durant and uh, Westbrook, Westbrook are just showing yeah. up, and I love it. So, I kind of like the Cinderella story. You know, I was all over the Jeremy Lin thing when he was, you know, hot. We talked about that before too. Uh huh. But I just, I don't even really know if Kevin Durant and and Westbrook are Cinderella. Like they got here, they. Annihilated teams, and I just want them to take down this little dynasty that 
these folks down here in Miami love so very much. Yeah. Well, in a dynasty that's building, I don't think they've completely built it yet. So. Right. I and mean, in their heads, and they think they have. That's right. what, I guess, annoys me. Well, they, that was a preemptive thing when they had the, they had the huge, uh, you know, uh, Broadway, Broadway production. Yeah, yeah the Broadway the production before yeah. they played a game together. Now, LeBron, uh, averaging 30 and 10. In the finals, first non-center to do that since 1969, John Havlicek, Hondo from the Celtics. Uh, that in and of itself is is very, very impressive. The thing with LeBron, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's underrated. Now, let me, before before you throw a pen Please, at me, before, before, before yeah, you throw a pen at me. We're smacking him in the head over okay, here. Don't he's, un- he's, he's underrated. Hey, view, ladies, give me a sec. Um, he... Averages in the playoffs about 38 and 8 over his career. Now, mm-hmm. those numbers are uh, astronomical. You know, you don't have that, especially not in this day and age, with, with the complete performance. Now, they're like, oh, he chokes in the last two minutes, chokes in the last two minutes. They wouldn't be in contention without him through the first 46 minutes of the game, especially with your boy D. Wade not showing up half the, for half the season, half the playoffs, half of everything. He needs help. Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen to win championships. So if Dwayne Wade doesn't show up, they're not going to win. He's the X factor. It's not Chris Bosh. It's not Shane Battier. It's not Mario Chalmers. It's Dwayne Wade, one of the best players in the NBA that is not showing up when LeBron is. And but that's, you can't deny that, that the players like Battier, that like they have stepped up, and they sure, need that too. Sure. It can't just be LeBron and Dwayne. Sure, but you, you want the ball in Dwayne Wade's hands more times than Shane Battier's. Granted, Shane Battier has always stepped up on the big stage. He's hit huge threes in the first two games. He hit a lot of them, and... He, you know, he's he's invaluable to that team, and that's why they brought him on this year. He takes charges. He actually takes real charges. Doesn't flop. Plays good right. defense. He's locked down Durant as well as he could have um, when LeBron's not on him. But let's let let's flip to OKC. Durant, uh, thirty three points in the first two games in the fourth quarter. Four points in the th- in game three. That might have been switched. That might have been because uh, LeBron was guarding him. Uh, one for f- he was one for five in the fourth when LeBron was guarding him. Plus you sit on the bench and get cold. It's tough. To Especially because he yeah. was in because he was in foul trouble. He's on for five yeah five yeah, minutes he, foul trouble the last couple games. Yeah, I mean in, in and then foul Westbrook's trouble on the bench. Yeah. yeah, I mean foul trouble in the in LeBron James and Kevin Durant's world doesn't exist. But in the last in the last game, he went out with 541 in the third right. uh, with four fouls, uh, and I think that that was a mistake by Scott Brooks. I think you take the chance. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's not that physical on the defensive end, anyways. So well, when you're on a run, you got to run. I yeah. don't care if you you're on play. Vegas or on the court, you yeah. got to run. Yeah, you got to you yeah. got to let him play. And Jeff Van Gundy, the commentator, used to coach the Knicks. Uh, he's very very high on letting players play through foul trouble, unless you let know, him it, figure it out. Yeah, I mean, and if he gets his fifth. In the third quarter, fine. You got to sit him down to like the eight minute mark, but you got to let your best player play yeah, in, 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 on the biggest stage in the NBA. You know. Yeah, you have to do it. So I that was a poor call, a poor judgment call. Yeah. So I mean, but, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Russell Westbrook needs to play as a point guard and not a shooting guard. He's not at UCLA anymore, coming off the bench for instant mm-hmm. offense. He needs to distribute the ball. He needs to take his 15 footers that he's that have become his own. Not try to step out to the three point line. Not try to do too much. Trust his trust his teammates. And if Russell Westbrook can can stick to his guns and get his you know 28 and five, 28 assists and five rebounds. They definitely can come back and win this series. 
Well, and I keep thinking that LeBron, when we were talking about him earlier, I still get that feeling that he's trying to figure out the little boy in him to the man in him. And he hasn't quite gotten that figured out yet. Um, so there's a maturity level that he's missing um, that shows up every once in a while, but then he drops back to that little boy aspect of it. Sure, himself. I think he's jumped leaps and, leaps and bounds this year, especially in the playoffs. He's become the but leader his, of that team. His attitude is a lot different this year right. than it was last year. He has grown up and matured. The best thing that I've seen from LeBron in the playoffs was when he scored 45 against Boston in that elimination game, and then when he, uh, I think it was game three, uh, game no, game two uh, in OKC, he could barely get interviewed after the game because he was so tired. And you've mm-hmm. never heard You'd that before. With on LeBron. The court. Yeah, he he realized yeah. his sixth gear, mm-hmm. and he, now he's and that's what's carrying him through in the last couple minutes of the game. He was maybe he was too scared to tap into it. He didn't know what would happen if he went all out. But he literally was sleeping right. on the podium after he scored forty five in Game Six against Boston. <laughs> so that was that was really really nice to see. Did he have those weird glasses on? You know him and that. What is up, <laughs> Kenya? Can you can you talk to me about this? I don't know what the hell is going on with the glasses. Him. What's up with Russell Westbrook and Dwayne Wade with the pink pants? I don't know what. With the pink pants and the black frame, non-prescription glasses. It's just a fashion statement. That is it. The kids are wearing it. It's, right. it's really hot in hip-hop right well, now. Well, they're, they're in Miami, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah right. When in, yeah, I mean, anything that takes Kevin Durant away from the, from the Jansport backpack after every game is rookie year, <laughs> I guess, is a right. step forward. I don't know. So what else is going on, Kenya? How's everything going in Chi-Town? Everything is good. Everything is good. Um, I just I did want to point this out too, since I'm down here in Miami. Sure. We went um, to a sports bar across the street from the stadium, like kind of before the game, like pre-game, just to kind of hear the hustle and bustle of people and interview a couple of people on the street. And the Miami fans are surprisingly not as excited as I would have expected. Now, you know, I'm from the home that Jordan built, so we get crazy in Chicago during. Mm-hmm. When we make it to that road to the finals or playoffs or anything, it, it just wasn't a big, it wasn't a really big buzz, and I was that was kind of weird to me. And even in the stadium, it was it was you know like kind of mediocre. I was surprised by that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I remember right when LeBron came there, uh, people would show up late. You show up, you know, with with three minutes left in the first quarter. It's like the it, it's the fashionable thing to do. You know, you come in, you make an appearance. Nobody cares about you. Go and, wa- go and watch your Miami Heat, and yeah, I, I agree. Miami's, it's tough, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's, maybe the buzz, it's difficult. It's, they're expecting them to mess up because that's what's happened in the one year that they've been mm-hmm. together. I don't know. Uh, we gotta take a break. We're gonna come back, talk about LT retiring, and a uh, little R.A. Dickey. Little baseball for you, Cindy. Listen to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back in about 96 seconds. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports if you want to talk about the east coast sports scene particularly from the southeast make sure you tune in to the jeff owen show every tuesday yeah we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there but host jeff owens and co-host tasha humphrey know the inside and out of the georgia college sports world and they were born there raised there and still live the scene we'll talk about every sport imaginable Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Lockdown Coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them. But you won't take this thing out I guess we gotta talk now. Welcome back to Comedy Lasso Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska. She's got her iPad out, her iPhone out, pink legal pad. She's she's in it to win it. She is, she's rocking. You got Kenya. You learn more on Twitter than you learn anywhere else. And Kenya Simone from Chicago in in uh in uh, Florida now. Glad to join you. It's it's been a while. Um, so LT, uh, blessed. Finally, the Chargers did something right. I'm just gonna say that finally they did something right. They signed LT for about 36 seconds so he could retire yeah, as right. a, so he could retire as a Charger. As that a charger, classy, that you know, yeah. because they kind of they kind of threw him away um, after he after you know his worth was 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 done uh, in San Diego. Uh, there was a lot of talk about when Michael Turner, right after he had the 70 some odd yard. Um, a rush for touchdown against Indy in the playoffs uh, that maybe you get rid of LT at his peak and keep Michael Turner. Um, and LT, you know, he started to get injured after that. So that was always a question, especially in the, in the hearts of San, in San Diego. It's like, do you get rid of Peyton Manning right after he had one of his best years ever because you're starting to see a decline? You're starting to see a decline. Do you go with the younger bull? And 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 get rid of the get rid of the Hall of Famer. They didn't, and um, they, I think they paid for it um, a little bit in the long run. But having said that, he's fifth all time in rushing, third all time in total touchdowns. He has a single season record for touchdowns in a season at 28. He's thrown for seven touchdowns. I mean, this guy is is a Renaissance man. He he could find the end zone. You know, you have people that have a nose for the end zone. He has the biggest nose for the end zone, in, I mean, definitely in recent history. He could just get there. Well, he was great on the field, and then he was also number one in fantasy football for oh, yeah. how many years? Yeah, I could never get him. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was upset about that. But yeah, I, I mean, had him in 2006. <laughs> she says with with a little swag, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, he retired. He, he was, he, he's, um, he was a good guy. He's deserving. You know, which is, yeah. you know, he, he deserved... He, he even had a great year when he was with the Jets the first year. He had, he had an average year, but for his age, it was, was a great year. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, and, and now especially, the biggest genius about him is that he used to run out of bounds instead of taking the extra two yards and getting hit. You know, so <laughs> the, thing, the thing with the concussions now, right. he, was, he was looked at as a baby. He was looked at as a sissy for running out of bounds, right, which probably pissed off defenders so much. <laughs> you're, you're lining up to nail him, and he just slips right out of bounds because he was so quick, so quick for so many years. He was, he was the offense for the San Diego Chargers his first two or three years in the league, you know. They just threw him into the fire, and he, was, he just put up numbers. But with the concussions, yeah, I mean, for the concussions, he, he's smart now, especially with all the things. He's not going to have... 
you know, Alzheimer. I mean, he's not. Well, well, no, there's an. Um, I hope. I, okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Okay, that's a whole other discussion. Less likely. Back. Less likely. I'm doing Fine. a Dallas radio show here shortly on uh, all the concussion issues, and you know that it's a lot more than concussions. So that's a whole different day and a longer discussion. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think good for him. He he went out on top as much as he can. Maybe he's regretting getting the Jets tattoo, uh, <laughs> but who knows? You know, there's there's laser surgery for that. Uh, now I just want to switch to. Um, oh wait! Before you go, go. Asking this. Do you think that, okay, now that he is retired, um, LT, do you think that Emma Smith's rushing record will ever, like, will anybody ever come close We're to breaking. that? You know, he played 18 years in the NFL, Emmett Smith, mm-hmm. uh, which is unheard of now. Yeah. I will say the caveat to that is that he had maybe the best offensive line ever, in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. the, that offensive line is the unsung hero that made Troy Aikman great, that made Emmett Smith being able to run through. I mean, it's parting of the Red Sea whenever he wanted to get to the end zone. So, to answer your question, I don't, I, I don't see it. No, I don't see it either. I have to agree with Alex, it. and I never thought I would say that in a million, <laughs> billion years, but I agree with that. They're, Her nostrils are flared, too. I she know, it's unhappy. killing me to do this. She is unhappy. <laughs> but he really did. He had the best offensive line mm-hmm. at the Cowboys. There's yeah. no way no, and yeah, to Darryl put Johnston. all of those pieces together again is going to be... Yeah, so that's a good question, Kenya. I mean, and also with uh, Daryl Johnson, one of the best... Uh, one of the best fullbacks of all time. Moose. You had, yeah, Moose. <laughs> what you said, uh, you know, and uh, he was. They were full. They had the three-headed monster that was that, you know, did them really well in Dallas. So I, I don't think so, you know, because nowadays you, there's a lot more um, out of the bat field action, you know, uh, receiving by receiver uh, by uh, running backs. The shelf life is a lot, maybe half, if not less, than what Emmitt Smith played. Emmitt Smith played. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't see anybody, yeah. if Chris Johnson get, can get his head out of his ass and maybe just play football and, and quit whining, right. maybe, I mean, but it's it's still, it's so far-fetched. It is. You know, it's so far-fetched. So, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I guess time will tell. Uh, quick yeah. shout out! Quick shout out to uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. First first win in in you Four know years. 46 years. Uh, he did it on Father's Day. You know, poetic justice. Well, he That's, did it. He right. did it. He did it four years after for exactly four years from the date. That he did it last time, right? So, on I mean, Father's it was Day, on Father's Day, yeah. So that's great. You know, it's it's good for him. He he's kind of been thrown away. You know, oh, you're only famous because your dad was the best racer of all time. Uh, you know, the humility he showed after when he was interviewed afterwards, you know, was was very very telling of what kind of man he is. Because it's tough. I would have well, retired. I would have done. She had to change teams, change cars, change mm-hmm. a lot of things because of the family dynamics that happened yeah. after his dad so passed went, away. He went through a lot. So we, we have four minutes left. I, I do want to talk about R.A. Dickey really fast. Uh, Mets pitcher, knuckleballer, but he's different. He's different. Uh, he averages 77 miles per hour on his knuckleballs, which is not normal. You know, knuckle curves are a little bit faster thrown. Uh, which, Tim Wakefield averaged 65 miles an hour, which he's the most, him and Tom Candiotti, the most recent knuckleballers that have had some success. But they haven't had success like this. 11-1, and one, uh, he hasn't let up an earned run in 42 and two-thirds. Uh, the first t- and the first time since 1969 where you threw two back-to-back uh, one-hitter, one-hitters. And it's That's never amazing. happened. Yeah, and yeah. it's never happened that back-to-back one-hitters were thrown with 10-plus strikeouts. So this guy is taking the world by storm. Now, 
it always goes back to the thing where it hasn't been done before, so that, that maybe this year. So the, now he broke it. Yeah, so may, might, yeah. maybe the this year. Broken, yeah. Right, but maybe this year the batters won't catch on. Next year, right. maybe he'll go two and ten. Who knows? Right. But like, I mean, it, it's. It, it's great though. It's good for the sport. It's great for the pitchers, really, you know, because Matt Cain gets his perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there have been six no hitters slash perfect games this year. I mean, it's just it's and, cool. and and this is showing the end of the steroid era. And yeah. well, and, and again, I have to tell, but I, steroids doesn't make you connect with the ball. A talent, you know, when you hit the ball, you can hit the ball. If you know how to place the ball, you know how to place the ball. Doesn't make your eyesight better. It, it doesn't, doesn't make you superhuman. Eyes, nope. I don't know. I mean, I just think that there's a direct correlation between the lack of steroids and also how the how the steroids affected the game by home run or strikeout. You know, there's no there's and no I in between because they when they're swinging right. when they're swinging when they're you're you're trying to hit a home run you're gonna strike out more because you're not trying to place the ball you're not trying to get a base hit you're going right going you're swinging hard. at high fastballs you're swinging at at at, at uh, throwaway pitches. Picky, yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I mean, that's it, it's great for the game, you know. Uh, I don't think no hitters will ever get old. Um, I, I think that because it's difficult to pitch a complete game as is. Uh, granted, you have to. Yeah, well, I mean, granted, you have to have the diving catches in the in the outfield. You have to get lucky. You have to have uh, umpires mess up like Johan Santana. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, and as a baseball purist, I love. A no hitter. I love a one nothing yeah, game. I love it. Of it. Mm-hmm. But I have some in it. a lot of fans don't see that as exciting. They need those hits. They need those plays for it to be an exciting game. Right, and that, and you going back to what you were saying about the '90s and early 2000s with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I don't think it made the game better. I think it crippled the game for for the future. Uh, so. We'll see what happens. I mean, especially with all this stuff with the 2013 ballot coming out. You know, it's it's really interesting to see what's going to happen in the future. Um, that's our time. Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska, Kenya Simone, thank you so much for calling in. Um, my name, I'm, Alex, I'm Alex Clancy. Kwame should be back next week. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Well, yeah, I know. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm not racist, Kwame. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio. Uh, we'll see you next week. for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.